We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover with John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the key studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery Show live on this Thursday evening with you. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond Tech sign to be a part of the show. Odyssey app so you catch us when you're on the go. Social media 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And follow us on our Twitter pages at JMCH316. He's at underscore Dylan Matthews. We'll talk to D. Orlando Ledbetter coming up in about 20 minutes from right now. But this, of course, your nightly look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. It was bad news today for the Atlanta Falcons as we got word that Marlon Davidson is for sure going to be out the rest of the preseason with potentially the you know season opener against the New Orleans Saints on September 11th in question. They're hoping that he would be back by then. Can I tell you, though, that... We sure he's going to make the 53-man roster at this point? Because he's a guy who's got to prove a lot, and these continuing reoccurring injuries aren't doing anything for him. He had to have his knee scoped this morning, and he's out for the rest of the preseason. Look, I've seen him at camp. He looks good. He looks the part. He's talking and saying all the right things. But what's the old saying? You can't make the club in the tub. And that's where he's at right now. And this was not a good time in his career to be out for the rest of the preseason. We'll ask D-Led. My gut says he's not going to make the 53. My gut says that he's going to be gone. And, And even if, look, he's already, you know, fighting for snaps and a spot, you know, in the rotation and things like that as it is. You know, there was no guarantee of him starting, you know, I mean, you know, making the roster, starting, I mean, a lot of work ahead of him. So this is bad news for him. It's frustrating news, you know, from some of these guys. Look, I said before, while I understand and get that Drake London's going to be back and he he should be all fine, it's frustrating that my first-round pick of the draft isn't available to play at all. That's frustrating. Because, again, I know everybody thinks you just come in the league and you're Jamar Chase and Randy Moss. Don't always work like that. And and that's why Brian Edwards even said, yeah, I want to play. I want it. He's campaigning to play in the preseason for that very reason. So this is very frustrating with Marlon Davidson. Um, I think his chance to make the roster are, are slim now. But we'll see. I mean, again, he's a former second round pick, but not with this, not with this group. That was the last regime that that picked him. If 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 he ends up getting cut. Can I tell you, those last couple of drafts from Thomas and Dan are P.U. stinkers. You got next to nothing out of your last few draft classes with Thomas and Dan. I mean, zilch, zip, nada, bupkis, 
When you do that in the NFL, you will be four wins, five wins, six wins. You will be a bottom-of-the-barrel sludge scraper team if you can't draft well, especially when your first and second and third-round picks are all gone within a few years and you don't sign anybody. We told you, you know, a while back, Lindstrom's the only guy over about a three-year period that's going to get any actual real second contract. I know Isaiah Oliver signed a second-year deal. Isaiah Isaiah Oliver signed a one-year, $1.25 million contract. That ain't exactly locking him up for the long term, is it? So, anyway, um, very, very frustrating. All right, Pro Football Focus has every team's NFL bounce-back candidate for the Atlanta Falcons, uh, Deion Jones. What went wrong? There aren't many linebacker-friendly schemes in the NFL nowadays, but uh, former Falcon coach Dan Quinns would qualify as one. With Jones going from that simplistic role to what he was asked to do in Dean P's defense in 2021, it looked like he was going from learning to drive to racing Formula One. Jones had far and away his worst season of his career and gave up more than two times the number of yards in coverage than he did the previous year. Uh, Outlook, Jones remains on the pup list with a shoulder injury, although it sounds like he can come off that here soon. Falcons coach Arthur Smith said Jones is trending well, but there's no real timetable on his return at this point. Obviously, Troy Anderson, Rashawn Evans, Michael Walker. Um, Look, I've said I, I, I don't think they want to cut. I don't think they want to cut Deion Jones. I think they want something for him. But I still don't believe at the end of the day that he's going to be on this roster when all is said and done. I still don't believe that he's going to be lining up for the Falcons in the regular season come week one. Maybe he will. Maybe they won't find a suitor, but I think he's. I, I don't think he's going to be here. However that works itself out, I don't think he's going to end up being here. All right, the Falcons did uh, make a signing, you know, of course, as they are cutting down rosters and things like that. They did, sh- they did sign Keyshawn Johnson. No, not, not that Keyshawn Johnson. No, no, not him. No, he's not going to be here and call and, and take over for Dave Archer and do the color or anything like that. This is K-E-E-S-E-A-N Johnson. Former draft pick for the Arizona Cardinals in 2019. Sixth round pick, spent a couple of years in Arizona. Last year is with Philadelphia. He has a grand total of uh, 36 receptions in his three-year NFL career. Peaked out as a rookie with 21 catches for 187 yards. I, I don't know enough about him to tell you Maybe he's a good special teams player. Um, out of Fresno, that's a chuck and duck offense. Decent size. You know, he's got he's got decent size. So, you know, six foot one, 201 pounds. But, you know, Fresno State's another one of those chuck and duck college offenses. Huck it all over the place, right? I think, is Jeff, Jeff Tedford coaching at Fresno State? But anyway, um, okay. I mean, another guy to mix in the wide receiver group, you know, there's a lot to sort out there, that's for sure. A lot to sort out there. Also, too, Isaiah Oliver, and we'll ask D-Led about this coming up at uh, 820. Yeah, Jeff Tedford's coach, right? Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. Former, you know you know what Jeff Tedford's claim to fame is and all that kind of stuff? No. Okay. Um, was it something to do with wrestling? Well. <laughs> that was a wild guess. I, didn't, I he, didn't think so. But He was the head coach at Cal, coached okay. Aaron Rodgers in college, oh. coached Marshawn Lynch in college. Oh, he was okay. one of the early – he was one of the guys early on in college football that really kind of went with that spread kind of option offense and things like that. So, and the Braves get on the board uh, 
Mets kind of bumbling things around out there in the outfield, and uh, it allowed uh, – uh, who was that? Was that Harris that came all the way around or Grossman came? Okay. So you got your speed guys on, and you start running the bases, right? What I tell you, get guys on, put the ball in play, right? You know, you can't score if you strike out 13 times. Dansby whacking it around. Dansby hitting a shot in the gap. And Vaughn Grissom is off to the races, right? What you got to do. That's Grossman, I should say. Sorry. But that's what you got to do. You got you gotta, you to gotta put the ball in play against pitchers like DeGrom. Make their defense make a play. And they were fumbling, bumbling, stumbling out there. So that was a good play. Braves up one to nothing early um, in this game. Dansby with a double uh, on that play. But... Um, we're getting word that Isaiah Oliver is taking some snaps at safety. And people are starting to wonder about whether or not maybe he's going to be in for a position change as well. Now, obviously, last year, he got some things on track to where they decided to give him another contract, albeit a year. But remember, he came in and played pretty well at nickel corner before he went out with injury for the season. So can he play safety? He did that some in college. You know, in college, when he was at, I believe it was at Colorado, right? He played some safety, played some corner, played a little bit of both. Again, can he help out? He, I'll give him credit that he earned his name back from last year, right? He got his name back. We don't have to call him 26 anymore. All right? We can call him Isaiah Oliver. He's got, he earned his name back, so we don't have to call him 26. So, okay. I mean, again, he's done this. He did this in college some. Um, he was more of an outside corner in college, but did play a little bit of safety here and there. So, okay. I mean, listen, you need all the help in your secondary in today's NFL that you can. And if you're a nickel corner in the NFL, you start about 60% of the time, right? The way the league is right now, your nickel your nickel corner starts about, you know, 60% to two-thirds of the time in today's league. So you need all the help that you can get. So we'll ask D-Led about that um, as well. But, um Obviously, we get ready for Monday night and the Falcons, as they're up in New Jersey, they'll do some dual practices and things, which, look, that's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing the reports that are coming out from from up there because everybody's up there now. I believe everybody, I think all the, the writers and everything are up there now, all the TV people, writers, everybody's up in New Jersey, you know, to, uh, to cover the Falcons. And this is what we want, right? Let's see what some of these practices are because that's going to be something that we learn as well. We might learn some more in these practices than we do when we get into the actual games itself. And there's Riley knocking in uh, Dansby. So now you've got a couple of runs against uh, Jacob DeGrom. That's what you got to do. Put the ball in play, right? You play small ball. You can't sit back and try to hit three-run homers off DeGrom. Put the ball in play, right? Nothing, Nothing cute, nothing fancy, nothing special. You just put the ball in play. And, and Riley basically served it right up through where the shortstop would normally be. Kind of not quite up the middle, but fairly close. And Dansby on second, you know he's coming around to chugga, chugga, chugga around second base to score. Using that speed, not having to batter it all around, and you just got to keep peppering. That's what you got to do. Keep peppering DeGrom. You know, run his pitch count up, run his pitch count up, and, you know, get it from there. So Braves put a couple of runs uh, on the board here. They've now got a... 2 nothing lead, uh, so they've broken through on Jacob DeGrom. And by the way, DeGrom came in with an ERA of what, like a buck 80 or something like that? You know, DeGrom's only 10-7 and seven against the Braves for his career, but his ERA is 2.01. And he, and he averages 
he came in to this game averaging 15 strikeouts per nine innings. He's averaged, I think, 11 and a half strikeouts per nine innings against the Braves in his career. But it was only 10 and 7. And I say only, but, you know, again, um, without going through all of his game logs, when you've got a 2.01 ERA, that kind of tells you that they probably didn't score a whole lot of runs for him. If you picked up seven losses against one team and you're only averaging two runs a start, you probably didn't score a whole lot of runs for him. So, anyway, good job by the Braves there to get a couple of runs uh, on the board. And, um... Now three innings uh, in the books, but they've already gotten four hits and a couple of runs off DeGrom. So let's see if Max Fried can keep it up. Max Fried got himself out of jail, by the way. First and third, nobody out, struck out two guys. Then Marte hit a bouncer back to him, and he got out of it. That's what an ace does. That's being an ace, and that's what Max Fried is, is an ace. So we'll keep you up to date with the Braves all night long. Coming up next, though, our buddy D-Led going to join us. We'll get you ready for Monday night and Falcons' second preseason game. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports right now to the game, the Odyssey.com app. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back to more John Chuckery. He's in the zone. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out at the Key Studios on a Thursday evening with you. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of our show. Odyssey app say catch us when you're on the go. Social media at on the game at JMCH316 at underscore Dylan Matthews. Well, we get ready for Falcons preseason game numero two. As uh, Monday, they will be up in uh, New Jersey. The man who covers the Atlanta Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the beat writers D. Orlando Ledbetter, joins us on the Wade Ford Dot com hotline Atlanta's Ford dealer. Follow D Led on Twitter at the Orlando AJC. D Led, are you up in uh, New York, New Jersey, or whatever state they're playing in right now? 
Yeah, just got in uh, about a uh, about forty five minutes ago, and uh, getting situated here um, just outside of Florham Park, where they'll be practicing on Friday and Saturday. They put you up in a five star hotel? No, no, we didn't go that high. No, we we got we're trying to stay around as long as we can. Well, they're making a lot of money. Marriott Courtyard just fine. Well, then they're making all that money over at AJC. I want to make sure that they're taking care of you, D-Led. You know, you're my guy. All right, man. Appreciate (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, Tell me honestly, Marlon Davidson going to make the 53-man roster? I'm just putting up the story about the surgery, uh, you know, with traveling. Um, He, uh, you know, I'm just looking at it. He hasn't been healthy any year in the league, so – uh, if they got some guys that uh, are healthy and can play, uh, you know, they might not might, might not move forward with him. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is a shame, and, and it's another one of those things that, you know, the old saying, you can't make the club in the tub. But even if he did make the roster, he's not probably going to start anyway, is he? I mean, he's probably just a rotational guy at this point, right? Well, he, he, they wanted him or Taekwon Graham to take over that defensive end spot opposite of Grady Jarrett in the 3-4, and it, the, the spot was up for grabs. And um, Taekwon hadn't done anything to, to uh, you know, move that far ahead. So, you know, if he can't compete for it, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, you got to kind of move on and look for some help over there. D-Led, I said uh, earlier in the show, one of the things that I want to see is just continuing to see the competition at the center spot. I think that's, at this point, that's the only spot that's up for grabs. And, you know, what do you expect the last game Dahlman played, I think, 50% of the snaps. I want to say Hennessy only played about 13% of the snaps. Do you expect a little bit more balance between those guys in this game as far as snap percentage and things like that? Or you still think it's going to trend heavy toward one of those guys? Oh, no, they'll flip at this game because they wanted to be fair. Uh, and in their mind, you know, um, uh, you know, Dolman got, got, got a better shot against Detroit, and they'll give, uh, give Hennessy a better shot here against the Jets, which is a tougher assignment, uh, you know, with Quentin Williams and Solomon Thomas up front. They, it's clear they want Dolman to win the spot. It's their guy. They drafted him. Uh, but Hennessy keeps outplaying him. So, you know, if they're going to be true to themselves, uh, you know, if Hennessy does his thing against Quentin Williams and Solomon Thomas, he could lock the job down. Uh, but, um, you know, then uh, Jacksonville, I don't know. Uh, they, both of them will do well in that game, so it won't matter. But, yeah, this is the big test up here in New York. Who can handle uh, the Jets' four uh, penetrating front four, uh, which is going to be the best defensive front they see in the offseason. How much of that battle do you think also gets settled in these co-practices that are coming up for these next two teams? Besides just the preseason games, obviously they're going to practice with with one another in these last couple of weeks here. How important do you think that's going to play into it uh, in, in trying to finalize who's going to be the starter? That's going to play a lot, John. I mean, you got four practices and two games. You know, you got you know if you add up the the reps in practice, put them at like thirty. A one-on-ones if they if they go, uh, you know, uh, you know, ten times against each team, you know, or, or ten times uh, in each practice, that's forty. And then you got, um, you know, twenty or thirty plays. You might want to play them in the game, so you're gonna have over seventy, eighty plays to lay side by side on whether you want Hennessy or or, um, or Drew Dahlman at center. And you know, right now, uh, 
You know, we got it graded with Hennessy out in front because we saw Dalman on the ground a couple times in the in the Lions game, and you know that's a that's a no no for the center. We don't need to see you on the ground. Falcons beat writer for the AJC D Orlando Ledbetter joining us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. You know, obviously Drake London. Uh, I think we assume he's not going to play. He might. Not, I don't even know if he's going to play for the, at all in the preseason, but. You know, what do they think about their wide receiver group right now? I would assume we're going to get Edwards back for this game on Monday. Where where are the Falcons, do you think, in their evaluation of their wide receiver group? Um, You know, they got Kyle Pitts. <laughs> That's their wide receiver group. He's, he's their wide receiver group. Uh, the rest of the um, – you know, Edwards is a dependable guy. You know, he's not going to uh, take the top off. They got a bunch of little guys that can get up and down the field. Zacchaeus, Baston, and Bird. Um, you know, Corderell Hodge made a big play last week. But, I mean, you know, he's his fourth year in the league. Uh, you know, just a steady guy that's going to be in the right place where, you know, when, he, when uh, you know, Kyle Pitts drags the defense to the other side of the field. So, um, yeah, that's where they're at, uh, you know. Not much, much on the roster beyond that. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, you know Hodge is uh, uh, gonna make the team. Auden Tate doesn't look that good out there. They they moved on for one kid, um, Tyshawn James and Geronimo uh, Allison. He's a veteran, but you know, um, you know, just kind of guy you might want to keep around in case you you know have some depth issues and so forth. But the kids just look on the special teams and see which receivers are playing on the special team, and that's going to tell you who's winning those battles for the fourth, fifth, and sixth position. Do you think that there is going to be a surprising cut at all from the Falcons? I mean, we were just talking about Marlon Davidson, but are there guys on your radar that, you know, we might not expect to get cut but could end up not making the 53-man? Um, yeah, there, there always will be uh, a surprise or two, but with this roster, um, you know, we do this kind of predictive 53-man roster thing, and, you know, usually, you know, I'm around 72, and, you know, I got to get it down to 53, but, you know, at this one, I'm, I'm kind of like at 40, and I'm looking for, you know, thir- <laughs> I'm looking for 13 other guys, so, um, you know, the talent level is not here where you're going to be cutting a lot of good players. It's not going to be be too many surprises here so you think the falcons are kind of waiting around for cuts and stuff like that to add a piece or two they've got a little bit of cap space they could do a little bit of something and obviously i think everybody kind of waits for some cuts and stuff like that but do you expect them to add to this roster before we get ready for prep on week one against the saints yeah no doubt about it you seen them pick up a receiver yesterday was cut by the niners uh they're gonna have the seventh position on the um or eighth position on the waiver, seventh or eighth, I got to figure that out, on the waiver wire. So, you know, that, that's pretty high. So, you know, if a, a left guard comes through there that they like, I'm sure they'll snap them up. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, they're they not very deep along the line. So if a big tackle comes up, the kid uh, from Jacksonville last year, Malcolm Brown, um, you know, I don't know if he's, they're interested in him, but, uh, you know, anybody that's a – you see them picking up a lot of veterans that play some games in the league that they can at least go out there and play with. So uh, that's that's where they're at in this building process. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Coach Smith was with Tennessee when LaVitri got traded over here. 
uh, at the last minute, you know, when the Falcons know they needed a guard and they, you know, he was kind of the last piece on a decent line there that got to the Super Bowl. So uh, he's, they're definitely going to be active, no question about it. D-Led, um, I know you were at open practice on Monday. I was there broadcasting uh, on Monday. You know, a lot of special teams work that was going on. You know, we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about it. We we Obviously, Avery Williams, besides being in the running back room, is going to be, I think, your kick and punt returner, although I know Patterson has lobbied to, you know, return some kicks. But we have a solid kicker. But what do you think? I mean, do you think Avery Williams can take that next step forward as far as a return guy goes? Do you think that Patterson will get a shot to return some kicks? Where do you think we are in all of that as far as special teams goes? Yeah, I think Avery, um, you know, uh, he's, he's dynamic in the college game with the returns and so forth. I think the, the schemes are – he's kind of regimented in this uh, deal. I haven't seen him make a lot of people miss, uh, which you got to do because uh, the lanes are going to close up pretty fast. So, we'd like to see him do that. Uh, and if not, you know, just get what you can get at that point, you know. Uh, but uh, as far as the kickoffs go, yeah, they're definitely going to get uh, Corderell back there. He's got a, he's going to carry a load on offense, so they're going to spot, you know, maybe give him the opening kickoff when it's a start of the game type of situation. But uh, other than that, I can't see when you spot when you spot play him to to return the kickoffs. So if there's a game where uh, people have been playing keep away and he hasn't been on the field much, maybe you send him back there. But uh, he definitely's going to get some opportunities. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you that Avery will be the main guy uh, on punts and kickoffs, and they'll spot return Corderell Patterson. Are they treating this game as a dress rehearsal? I mean, you know, I know it's a different type of preseason nowadays in the NFL, but is this their quote-unquote dress rehearsal coming up on Monday? Uh, it is, but Coach Smith wouldn't call it that today. He's like, I don't know if there ever was a dress rehearsal or some mythical or whatever, but it is. Uh, you know, they gotta see they gotta see if these guys can play. I mean, and this running around playing tag stuff, you know, they did that last year and they got they went into the first game and got their heads kicked in. So, you know, by the Eagles. So he doesn't want to get his head kicked in again by the Saints. So he's gotta dress rehearsal them some here. We're gonna see a lot more Corderell Patterson. Uh we're gonna see guys play a little bit longer. Uh we we probably won't see you know, how Coach Smith used to do it, uh, Coach Mike Smith, where he would go in that third game, play into the half, and then um, go in the locker room, do the regular locker room, and come out and let them start the third period because, you know, that was real what it was going to be like. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, then, then everybody was done for the rest of that half in the fourth game. So I don't see him doing um, that, playing them that much. I, I kind of see him in a 2020 Road where they'll play twenty, maybe maybe into the second quarter, this game maybe into the second quarter Jacksonville game and and then go from there and let these other kids try to earn spots on the on the roster and the practice squad. So let's uh, last question for a D. Led. If we look at the quarterback position, do you expect Mariota to play a lot this coming game and then maybe nothing against Jacksonville and then give Ritter a whole half of this game and in most of the Jacksonville game, how do you break down the quarterback play maybe over the next couple of games? Well, he said he was going a quarter last game, so I think he's going a qu- uh, two quarters this game. Uh, Mariota, then um, then uh, uh, Ritter, 
And then the last game, maybe you go, you know, just give him, a, you know, the one series, Ritter, and then you give um, Franks a little bit just so he's ready in case of an emergency. But, yeah, this is a big game for, for Mariota uh, against the Jets on Monday night. And then, uh, uh, you know, you get everybody in that last game to, to try to get ready for the season. Covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC.com is where you can keep up with all of his Falcon news and all of his work, and then follow him on Twitter at AJC. Be watching out because he may be putting a selfie as he's in a lazy river at some fancy hotel and eating steak and everything else. So, uh, let enjoy your time uh, up there in God's country, and uh, we'll chat here soon. All right, John. Thank you very much. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for having me. You got it. Appreciate it, D-Led. And, uh, yeah, listen, um, you know, I think that's the thing is that there are these joint practices – are very much important for helping decide some of these positional battles. You know, I do think that besides just the game, what they do, because you can, the thing about the practices is you can dictate how you want to do things, right? Like you can put whatever scenario out there that you want and you can make it happen. All right, when we come back, it will be time for What's Bugging Chuckery. Um, how the hell do you let the 9-11 Museum close? We're going to talk about that story. Watching some Braves as well. Still up two to nothing with Max Freed dealing. Sports right now at the game, Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back with you, the John Chuckery Show, live in the Kia Studios. Thursday night with you, 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site, catch us on the go. Social media, 929 The Game, at JMCH316, at underscore Dylan Matthews. As we are not here tomorrow, I guess I should mention, uh, 1040, two hours from right now, we will get into a rank'em. So hit us up with your list. Hey, dive in the history and culture of baseball's unofficial rule book. With Unwritten, a new podcast hosted by former players Ron Darling and uh, Jimmy Rollins. Um, each week they have a, pre- a guest on to talk all different things about the not-so-secret guidelines for big leaguers. Gary uh, Sheffield, Larry Boa, previous guest. Do they say Hey, Maine on their podcast or anything? They might. Okay. Anyway. Everybody seems like they do it at this point. Yep. Uh, download for free on the uh, Odyssey app, uh, by the way, too. Um well, I spoke too soon. Max Fried gave up a two-run homer, and uh, we're all tied up now. So, uh, Fried's got five innings in the books, four hits, two earned runs, four strikeouts. Hadn't walked anybody as usual, but he did give up the uh, one home run. He's at 71 pitches, so very efficient. But, unfortunately, we have a, a brand-new game uh, out here. So, it is now 2-2 here as we um, as uh, we head to the uh, bottom of the uh, the fifth inning and the uh, the Braves uh, coming up here. Um, they'll get to the very bottom of the order, and then Ronnie will be – Ronnie's in the hole, uh, if you will. But, um, yeah, that kind of sucked. I mean, uh, Dylan, like, grabbed me. He's like, as I was running out to grab something to drink, whatever. He's like, oh, man, you spoke too soon. Free give up. I was like, what? Free give up a home run? Literally, as soon as you walked out of your studio, he, he gave up the home run. Oh, well, that kind of sucked. Literally, it was like five seconds after you said it, Max. So, literally, I mean, both teams have two runs and four hits. Um, You know, DeGrom's coming back out. He's got five strikeouts with no walks in four innings. He's only thrown in four innings. He's thrown 53 pitches. That's it. 
Wow. He's thrown 53 pitches in four innings. But again, what did I say? And I tweeted this out, by the way. Put the ball in play. When you put the ball in play, things will happen. And, and it may not be that exact moment, but things will happen. Good things will eventually come through. You put enough balls in play, good things are going to happen to you. And that's what the Braves did. Braves didn't sit there and hit a three-run homer or a two-run homer to take the lead or anything like that. Dansby with a two-odd hit. Riley with a two-odd hit. Right? And, you know, get a guy on, you know, a base hit here for Grossman. Then he comes around. You use your speed, this, that, and the other. You make the Mets have to make a play on defense. They bobble a ball. And all of a sudden, you look up, and you got a couple of runs out of it. So, but you let DeGrom sit back and just fire away, and, and you let him have 12 of his 17 outs with no contact, you're toast. You're toast for it. You know, you got to put the ball in play. Put the ball in fair territory. Doesn't mean you're always going to get hits, but, you know, accumulate balls in play and put pressure on defenses. Eventually, one of those things will find a hole. It'll find a soft spot, and, you know, you end up with a runner or two on, and, you know, do you like the Braves did? Some key two-odd hits. We, what, didn't it literally what we talked about? Get a two-odd hit here, get a bleeder over here, find a way to get a guy on here. Use your speed there, right? That's how you got to beat DeGrom. You, you have to dink and doink and dip and dupe and blop and blip and, you know, beat by the boop them. You can't sit back and, you know, pound away and, you know, sit back and go bombs away on them. And the Braves did a great job of that. So see if the Braves can, you know, find a way to, you know, crack the code and find a couple more runs. I, I don't – I don't. DeGrom's only given up three runs – DeGrom coming in tonight had only given up three runs for the entire year. Now, granted, he only pitched 16 innings or whatever, but he only given up three runs for the entire of the year. He's given up two tonight. He's, his ERA has ballooned to 2.14. Because his ERA came, he came in with what, about a, a, a buck 80 ERA? It's ballooned to a 2.14 ERA. Freed, by the way, is sitting at 2.64. So Freed ain't exactly chopped liver either. He's getting it going and getting it cranked up. Sucks about the home run, but anyway, we got a new game out of all of it. Riley's got a couple of hits. Dansby's got a hit and a run in this game. Grossman's got a, a hit and a run uh, in the game uh, as well. So we'll keep up to date because, again, I've said before, I think this is must win tonight. Uh, that's that's how I'm looking at it. This is must win. You lose tonight and you really hadn't gotten anything done against the Mets and you're down to your last fumes against against them and everything. So we'll keep you up to date what goes on here with the uh, with the Mets and Braves as uh, it is it is two guys that are really dealing, um, you know, Max Fried and uh, Jacob DeGrom. So we'll see what happens here. All right, speaking of uh, dealing, let's get to something we call What's Bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9. So this is a very disappointing headline, and this is going to be non-sports related because this is very aggravating to me, and I'm going to use my platform to express my aggravation. The 9-11 Museum in New York is about to be permanently shut down because of revenue losses stemming from COVID, among other things. The 9-11 Tribute Museum up in New York 
is being forced to close down permanently. Opened up in 2006, obviously just blocks away from where the Twin Towers were. But according to the New York Post, there's been a massive drop in visitors since the pandemic. And it can't make ends meet. This from co-founder Jennifer Adams Webb, CEO of the September 11th Families Association. She said, quote, two-thirds of our income revenue annually comes from our earned income from admissions. We were completely closed for six months in 2020. We had been averaging 300,000 visitors a year. And last year, we had a total of 26,000 visitors. So it completely annihilated our earned income. There's no way we're going to be able to dig out of this at this rate. We need the state or the city to step in with other partners to be able to say, we value you, we want to save this organization. But at this point, we can't continue to dig into a hole. The museum had 5 million visitors from 141 countries since 2006, according to the website. But again, um, you know, with COVID and everything else, uh, former secretary to New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, uh, Melissa DeRosa, tweeted, this cannot stand. The state handed a billion dollars to the billionaire owners of the Buffalo Bills. They have to step in. Here's my thing. Do you not understand? Okay, dialing. Do you know what Amtrak is? Yeah, it's the, like, railway or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you've heard of it. You're familiar with it. Yeah. And you know there's an Amtrak station right over here at um, uh, Peachtree Road right there before you cross the bridge into Midtown. Oh, yeah. Kind of coming out of Buckhead into Midtown, right? Yep. Okay. Do you understand that for decades, do you know who owns Amtrak? Uh Uh-uh. The United States government. Oh, okay. And for decades, okay, the U.S. government has propped up subsidized, and funded Amtrak. A train, a railway train, not a high-speed rail, not a modernized rail, old-fashioned Amtrak, (laughs) okay? Now, I'm not very much in favor of the government doing things, but if the government of the United States can subsidize, run, and bankrupt Amtrak, why can't they run the 9-11 Museum? And again, I would much rather have the 9-11 Museum in private hands. But if the United States government has to step in and subsidize the museum until they find a private owner who's willing to come up with a new plan and keep it open, this is a stain on us. This is absolutely, positively a, a crappy thing to allow to happen. And I don't really care why or this, that, and the other. But there are some times in life where the government has to. If the government can put all this money into Ukraine and this, that, and the other, and they can put it into Amtrak more specifically, then they should put it in the 9-11 Museum and go find a private organization to buy, fund, run that. And they can get charities to get involved. They can get the... Whatever you have to do, there has to be a better way and a better plan than we have to close our doors permanently. They're already taking some of the artifacts out of it and transporting them to other places. Some of the artifacts that have been there and are from the actual scene. 
It's ridiculous. And 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 this is this is a sad stain on us if this is allowed and this is what happens. If they have to close up and relocate stuff, because remember, think about how much money was put into that thing to start with, right? You know, it was a whole cluster, you know what, to get the thing built to start with. And now here we are, not even 20 years later, 2006. That's 16 years later, and they're talking about shutting down the place permanently. Like, how can this happen? So again, you know, if you can find money for Amtrak and run that for decades, find money to give to the 9-11 Museum and get and find somebody who will buy it, invest, and run it. A charity, a private organization, a billionaire, whatever. I don't care. But this can't happen. You know, there's enough things that make America look kind of goofed up. Can you imagine the 9-11 Museum where 3,000 Americans lost their life in that site, in that area, and you're taking artifacts that were in there that were part of everything around it and moving them to some jabron's place because they can't get the 9-11 Museum funded properly. Again, if we can cut, if the Cobb County taxpayers can get fleeced for a baseball stadium and shops and restaurants around it, certainly we can come up with a better plan for keeping the 9-11 Museum afloat than we got to close its doors permanently and we can't figure out a plan B. And by the way, too, the curators of all this or whatever like that, how did they not see this coming? I know it's only been a couple of years, but this should have been something that was worked on 18 months ago because you would have known then. But again, this, this ticks me off. This legitimately ticks me off to read about something like this, that we're allowing this to happen. Yeah, there's a petition. Great. You need cash. You need scratchole. And as much money as we spend and waste on everything else, government-related, project-related, the war on drugs, take your pick of all the billions of other crap money that we've floated into anything. Can we at least keep the 9-11 Museum open with all the original artifacts and memorabilia and everything associated with it? So we don't have this building just sitting empty, closed doors. Figure out a way. Take a tax loss. Whatever you got to do. There has to be something better than we have to lock up the door. Imagine going to New York and you want to go see it and they got a padlock. Like, what's those realtor lock boxes on there, right? They got a lock box on there. Said closed permanently. Sorry. Out of business. Like those mattress companies that go out of business. They got to sign 50% off everything in the store. Going out of business sale. This is ridiculous. In the United States of America, 16 years after this opened, it's already in the crapper. Try not to get too political, but at the same time, somebody needs to step up and step in. Like I said, if they can make Amtrak and keep that alive... Because I'm going to Amtrak's website and book a train today. I, I Rather than booking a train, keep the museum open. Whatever you have to do, 
and find somebody privately who will buy the place, cut them a deal, give them a tax break, whatever you got to do. But the answer should not be that the 9-11 Museum is closing its doors for good. Because you're not going to put anything else there. If it ain't going to be a 9-11 Museum, what's it going to be? A paperweight? This sucks. This is crap. And, and again, there has to be a better solution to this. And that's what's bugging Chuck. All right, we get back from the uh, top of the hour. We're going to talk some Atlanta United. Because this team is just not fun anymore. We'll talk about that next. Chuck in the Key Studios. Sports right after the game. Odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.